on episode six of the PCT podcast, we are joined by David Tuck, who is a UEFA B licensed coach, who also holds the FA Youth Award. David is a serving member of the British Army, coming towards the end of an incredible 22-year career. David speaks to us about transferable skills from the military to coaching and how he has managed two challenging career paths. Don't forget to subscribe and you can find our episodes on our YouTube channel with previous episodes available on iTunes, Google and Spotify. Good evening, Dave. Um, thank you for joining us on the PCT podcast today. How, how are you during this uh, lockdown and strange times? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Getting there, getting there, keeping busy, um, looking for people to speak to and, you know, as I say, hopefully chew the fat about all things football and coaching and, you know, life in general, mate. Um, what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Um, so even though I'm at home in Stafford, um, life still goes on in the military. So daily checking my emails, checking my WhatsApp, checking in with all my instructors to make sure that they're all good, that they're uh, keeping fit and active and they're doing some professional and personal development. Um, myself, I'm out doing fitness a couple of times a day, whether it be on the, on the balcony or going out for a run, uh, like yourself talking football, trying to get a few online courses done, and a little bit of myself, personal and professional development. Good stuff. You, you mentioned there that obviously you're just checking in on your instructors and making sure they're still developing. Can, can you just give us a little bit of a background information for the listeners of, of what your current role is and what it is you do? Yes, yeah, so I'm the, uh, the squadron sergeant major. Um, I'm the senior soldier for the squadron back at the Army Training Centre in Purbright. Um, and me and my guys are charged with teaching, testing and training uh, the future of the British Army. So anybody that wants to join the British Army comes to Purbright for 14 weeks, um, gets put through their paces um, so that we can churn them out to be trained soldiers and hopefully they'll go on to have a, a long and prosperous career. Sounds like a, a very challenging yet yet rewarding role. How far deep are you into your, your military career? A minute. So uh, I've done just over 20 years. Um, I've been at phase one training twice, been at phase two training where they do their, uh, their trade training. Basically for us, it's communications. Um, and now I'm coming towards the end of a military career and looking forward to, to seeing what I can do next. It's interesting there that 20 years in, in one career is quite an achievement uh, in today's sort of society. How, how did it come about joining the army then? And at what age did you decide this is the career I want? So uh, a bit funny, to be honest. So my dad was in the military. I was born into the military. He was, uh, he was based overseas. Um, and then we moved around Europe. My brother was born two years after me. Again, continued to move around dad did 20 years in the military uh, and left in 1995 um, I was just going into year nine um, so my quite critical years of, of school and doing my GCSEs and I left in in what would have been May 1998 um, always wanted to be a policeman uh, fancied being a, a traffic policeman where I'd get the opportunity to test the limits of a Volvo T5 up and down the motorway. Um, but sadly, that never really came to fruition. So gave college a go, um, didn't really enjoy it. So uh, that didn't last very long. Um, worked on the markets, tried to, to, to regain myself and see what I was going to do. And then at 17... And in 11 months old, I decided that I would join the British Army. And nearly 21 years later, here we are. I suppose you could say that's a bit of a drastic career change going from, from college and working on the markets to, you know, joining up and having a career in the military. Um, just talk us through sort of what was the drive behind that? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. I just thought that... Um, I wasn't really a troublemaker. Um, I didn't really get into much trouble. Um, I wasn't concerned that um, it was either join the army or or go to jail, so to speak. Um, it was it was an opportunity to try something, to do something, um, and just see how we got on. 
Um, I did sign up for a full 22 year career, um, but we do so many years and then if it's not for us, we can transition into another path. Um, but actually I really, really enjoyed it. Got to do a lot of things, been to a lot of places, seen a lot of things and, and, and yeah, that's why I'm still here. You mentioned there, obviously, you can you've worked in a phase two sort of training establishment where they where they gain a trade. What is your trade within with the forces? And and again, what what was the thinking behind the career path you you took in that trade? So originally, because of my wanting to be a, a policeman, um, I thought about joining the Royal Military Police. Okay. Um, sadly, that never really came about. Uh, and having spoken to my mum and dad, who were both serving, uh, dad was in the Royal Corps of Signals, so he was working with communications. It was, if I joined the British Army, I would need to do something that gave me a trade. So um, we had a look at it. Um, dad was a driver lineman by trade, so he got his, his driving qualifications. But I went to be um, a communication systems operator, uh, which effectively gave me my driving qualifications, but then also allowed me um, to work with the communications, with radios, mobile telephones, satellite communications. Um, and that has given me a platform that when I do leave in a couple of years time, if my chosen career or aspirations of being a football coach doesn't come to fruition, then at least I can fall back on a trade. Um, and then, build my way up through the, the coaching pathway, so to speak. You, you mentioned there, obviously you're coming towards the end of a 22-year military career. Um, what have been the highlights of that career to date, would you say? Um, there's been quite a few, to be, to be honest. Um, the, the military are very, very active. We're very sports-focused, so I've had the opportunity to go and play sports. Um, whether that be football with every unit that I've been to, um, skiing in Germany and Austria, sailing in Denmark and bobsleigh in Norway and Austria, which I was quite good at. Uh, went for a Great Britain trial, but as you can see by my noodle arms, uh, I wasn't quite strong enough to... Uh, to push the bob on the ice, but um, some great experiences doing sport. Um, and then travelled the world, um, been on exercise in Canada, uh, Cyprus, been to Afghanistan, southern Turkey, um, to name but a few places. And then obviously you've got the camaraderie, the people that you meet, uh, they're friends for life. Um, you work with them day in, day out, um, and as I say, you meet some lifelong friends. So, regardless of coming to an end at 22 years, we'll be able to move forward. And you know, in 22 years' time, we'll still have these memories. We'll still uh, get to visit some places. We'll have reunions, and then we'll catch up with all our old friends. So, I'd say it's certainly a wide variation of, of skills and. Um, experiences you've had to date and a lot of traveling is that something that's that's ever bothered you being away from home and traveling all around the globe um so when i completed my trade training i moved to germany i was 19 years old um and then i spent six years in germany um Granted, as a kid, I lived in Germany and Holland a couple of times. The countries are beautiful, really, really well kept. The locals are, are really, really nice, um, supportive of the military. Um, I remember living in Germany when England beat the Germans 5-1, and it wasn't just the Brits that were singing It's Coming Home, the, the Germans were singing as well. So everywhere we go... Um, you know, it's great. There hasn't been any country that I've been to where I thought, you know what, um, I don't like it here. Um, certainly as I got a little bit older um, and then um, I was fortunate enough that I didn't get married until after um, most of my travelling. I didn't have children until after most of my travelling. And then 
when we did have to move back to Germany, I got to move the family with me. So again, they had the opportunity to, to go and to see different places and, and, and different cultures, albeit as very young age, Jacob was born in Germany. So, um, so yeah, not really too much of an issue living abroad, to be honest. Quite, quite settled now, close to home as you, as you enter resettlement um, and obviously look to transition into civilian life. Uh, more, more recently, you've been taking the path of, of football coaching. When did you first get into coaching, Dave? And, and what was it that sort of drew you in? As you mentioned, you played football at a good level. So, so why, why, then, why and when the transition to coaching? So as with every young boy that ever grew up, and girls nowadays, um, we all wanted to kick a football. We all dreamed of being a footballer. Um, living abroad, I got to watch my dad play football quite a bit. He played in goal for the army. Um, he had a trial with um, MVV Maastricht in Holland, but unfortunately he said he was a little bit too old and he turned the opportunity down. Um, and then I started to develop a love for the game and, and wanted to play. Um, I'll put the record straight now, quite early on, I wasn't very good. Um, but I was an individual that always wanted to play. Um, and, you know, if you put in the attitude and the effort um, and you play with players that just want to play the game, um, you form a love for the game. Um, I never really got coached myself. So maybe as a kid, if I was coached, I might have played to a better standard. Okay. Um, I might have been able to do a little bit more, um, but I was never coached. Um, and then when we moved to Germany as a youngster, um, Seven Signal Regiment, they had arguably the best team in the army. Um, and by that, I mean that some of the players that came in, they were ex-professional at youth level or they some of them signed pro contracts but it never quite worked out they play semi-professional football um, and they were really really good to be around and because of how successful they were they were coached so I played for the B team uh, and we had a little bit of coaching and and that's where we first saw how having a coach having a mentor can actually develop a player, can actually develop a team and a team can move forward. So, uh, as I say, I've played for every unit that I've ever been to. And then in 2013, um, I decided that I would give the referee course a go. Uh, I'd give my level one coaching a go. Um, and I actually really enjoyed the level one coaching. So uh, I went on to the level two um, a year later. My referee career wasn't too bad. I got promoted a couple of times. I uh, ran the line and I was an assistant referee in the FA Cup and the FA Vars in the prelim rounds. Yeah. Um, but then I refereed a game between two very, very good teams with very, very good players. Um, and I saw the other side of the refereeing where you, you make a bad decision and uh, you, you've got to live with it and not to say that I didn't enjoy the referee and I enjoyed the coaching more yeah. so um, yeah had the opportunity to coach the Royal Signals ladies team and again the the ladies were, were bang on they were really really enthusiastic they were like sponges they wanted to learn uh, they wanted to develop uh, and actually watching them grow knowing that a little bit of input from me, but a lot of input from them and seeing them grow and develop actually made it all worthwhile. Um, and, and that's where my coaching journey really, really started. And I will always be grateful for that. And, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years time, if I have another career in football, I can look back and say that it started while I was in the army with that group of girls. Really, really interesting there that, Again, you've said you've you looked at the refereeing pathway first and quickly quickly decided it was going to be um, the coaching path you went down. Uh, the skills that you've learned through your military career over the last sort of twenty years, Dave, 
have they helped you as a coach? And if so, what skills would you say you've, you've picked up? Um, certainly, power of communication is definitely one. In everyday life, we need to communicate, whether that's orally, verbally, whether it's looking at somebody's body language. Um, you've got to be able to communicate. So being a communication systems operator, um, and having a communications background and learning from other people um, how they communicate, uh, I think is probably the biggest key skill that I've learned. But uh, from there, we're disciplined, we're fit, we're enthusiastic, we're motivated, um, we're well organized, we're well drilled, um, our planning skills are put to the test. Um, we go through everything with a fine tooth comb. Our attention to detail um, is, is, is very, very high. So all of them skills that we have to do in the military um, are, are easily transferable uh, over to, to putting it into a coaching session. So, Fantastic. I, know, I know the Army have got their um, solid C. And, you know, for the listeners out there, are you able to just give us an insight into what, what that is and how they transfer to, to civilian life? Yes. Yeah, so we live by our core values and standards. Um, everything we do has got to be lawful. Uh, we need to apply, apply the, the appropriate behaviour and we need to be totally professional. Um, but the, the six core values that we live by, you just mentioned solid C. Um, I put them in alphabetical order, so we'll go with courage first, um, to have the moral courage, the physical courage, you know, do what's right, um, to go ahead and go and do something that you wouldn't normally do, um, to be disciplined, self-disciplined, getting out of bed in the morning, making your bed, ironing your kit, um, you know, everything that breeds just the start of a good day. Uh, integrity, we've got to be honest to ourselves, we've got to be honest with each other. Uh, loyalty. Clearly, we're all loyal uh, to each other, loyal to, to Queen and country. Uh, respectful, uh, as you know, that we come from a very diverse uh, background. Everybody comes from different areas. We come from all walks of life. Uh, so respectful to each other, but also to ourselves. Uh, and I think for me, the biggest one is selfless commitment, putting other people first. Um, you know, and that it reigns, it reigns true uh, in a football team with a coaching session. Um, you know, it's, it's all about the players. It's not about you. It's not about your ego or where you want to go. You deal with what you've got in front of you. And as long as you put the players first, um, everybody will be rewarded. It, it's interesting. One of the things I've taken from that, as you mentioned, that it's not about you um, as the coach. And I suppose it's quite easy for us as coaches to let our ego get in the way of what's in front of us. And as you say, it isn't about us. It's about what we can do for the players and, and develop them. Would you agree as, as such? Yes, yeah, certainly. We've got to, we've got to be able to, to create an environment for the players and staff. Um, if you create an environment that they want to be there and you instill a belief to them that they can go out and achieve anything they put their mind to then they'll work for you and you know if you educate them um you know that you'll be dedicated you'll be committed and and they do exactly the same then you know the world's your oyster and you can only move forward from there i, I love that and i think as we mentioned solid c um as i referred to it's something that sticks with you for life especially when you've had a career in the military um for me just from my experience when i first you know made the transition it, it was very easy to fall into the trap um to assume that as an ex-military man or current military man or woman you're very militant in your coaching style and command would, would you say that it's quite easy to get that misconception or would you say there's other skills that that come into play um I would certainly say that when I started my coaching journey, because I was working in a, a phase one environment, a phase two environment, because some of the things that we have to do, some of the decisions we have to make 
in some respects, um, not all, but in some, they're, they, they're, they, you live by life and death. And if you make the wrong decision, you've got to be able to live with it. Um, so moving away from that, yes, you've got to be very command in the military. And as I said, I started off very command, but then as I started to do my youth award modules and I went to, to do them with the, with the Royal Air Force, uh, the, the lead instructor was ex-Royal Air Force. He's now uh, working with Ox Oxfordshire FA. Um, he could clearly tell that I'd come from that background phase one training where I stand and bark and, you know, you've got to put a little bit of fear into the recruits and, and discipline them. But he was very much, why don't you try and do try, try, try and get them to, you know, put the onus on them instead of you telling them what to do, get them to try and do other things. So, yeah, we, I think it started off very much command, but then it went into a little bit of trial and error, get them to, to give it a go, um, because ultimately they're all human. They will make mistakes, but they don't make mistakes on purpose. And then a little bit of guided discovery as well. So once they have done something, ask them why they've done it. And then if they explain why they've done it, then you can then go in and give them an opportunity to say, what if you did it this way? Mm -hmm. Or why don't you try this? And then they will then again go out and be the decision makers. Um, and again, they will live by their decisions. And in some ways it will pay off, in some ways it won't. But yeah, very much command to start with. Um, but another key skill that you learn in, in the army is to be adaptable. Yeah. Uh, and it's just the same on a football pitch. You've got to be able to adapt with your surroundings and with the people that you've got in front of you. You mentioned there being, being adaptable. So, so my, my question on those interventions would be, can, can interventions as a coach depend on the team that you're coaching and the environment? Of course it can. Um, you know, we're not all blessed like some of the professional coaches that we see in today's game. So, for example, Pep Guardiola, he inherited a Barcelona team that was very, very good, um, arguably one of the best in Europe at the time. Um, he still would have had to have adapted his coaching style. He would have had to get some of the players to adapt to the way that he wanted to play. And then he would have gone to Bayern Munich and again inherited a very good team. Whereas with us, we don't know what we're going to get. Um, we could have different levels of player. We could have players from different backgrounds. We could have players with different personal circumstances that might affect them week in, week out. So there's no point in going in like a bull in a china shop and just being very much command um, because it might work for some, it won't work for others. Uh, for others, you might want to go and be um, disappointed dad. Um, and you, it's, it's up to you. You've got to be adaptable. You've got to know your players. And if you get to know your players, you'll be able to work out what style suits you, what style suits the player. Um, and then ultimately you'll be able to get or, or get better results. You allude there of knowing your players. And, and would you say that there's a right or wrong way to intervene in a session? Um, is the, as I mentioned, a right way to do it or, or does it depend? I think it would depend. Who's going to say to somebody like Jurgen Klopp, if he doesn't see something that's going right in a training session, that he doesn't stop the whole thing and then is command with all of his players? Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to tell him he's right or wrong because of the results that they produce on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he might just stand there and let five, six, seven mistakes go because he knows that them players will know that they've made a mistake and they will try their hardest to try and rectify that mistake. And if he goes in or pulls them to the side and then has a chat with them, it might motivate them, it might demotivate them. So there's no right or wrong. Uh, there's no best time to do it. There's no worst time to do it. I think it's just going to be a case of reacting on the ground 
and, and dealing with the situation you best see it. Yeah, I suppose good observation skills are, are going to put, put pay to that as well and, and help decide on those interventions along with, as you mentioned there, knowing your players. Um, Dave, you mentioned you started sort of your coaching pathway with the ladies. Um, have you had, is it mainly military sort of teams that you've coached or have you had any experience of while serving coaching sort of civilian teams outside of that? So I was very fortunate to take the ladies team on. Um, I was with them for two years when I took them on first of all day. I think they finished bottom of the league with one point. Um, we got some players in. Um, we worked with the players. Um, it was a great environment to be in. And then the next season, we got to a cup semi-final, finished fourth in the league um, and did really, really well. And whilst I was working with the ladies, I also did the Army Football Roadshow where we walk, uh, went around the country uh, doing a little bit of community engagement with professional clubs uh, all around the country um, and doing a little bit of military type assault course stuff and um, putting the children through their paces during the school summer holidays. Yeah. And, and I was able to meet a few people at Stoke City uh, and we had the opportunity to let our ladies team take on the Stoke City ladies mm -hmm. at what would have been the, the, Bet, uh, the Britannia at the time. Um, very good game, clearly a different touch of class from, from, from our opposition, but a great experience. And then from there, I had the opportunity to go and work with the Stoke ladies for a, for a season. Uh, and I met Andy Frost, a uh, great guy. I think he works in the academy setup now. He's doing really, really well himself. Um, he gave me the opportunity to go and work with the Stoke ladies. And, you know, everybody talks about the women's game. And actually, if they go and watch a ladies game, go and watch a ladies training session, they are good. They are tactically and technically very, very good. Uh, and it's a great advert for the sport. And, and the way that it's rising worldwide is, 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 is testament to what all these ladies put in. So that was a great experience. And then from there, I had the opportunity. Uh, a friend of mine was building a team, Stafford United, um, from nothing. He wanted to... The, the army had just moved into Stafford um, or more units had moved into Stafford and typically there would be a few frictions where there's a university town, there's the military coming in, there's the, the local population that are a little bit, you know, surprised at what's going on and he wanted to make a football team and we had a 60-40 split of military and civilians um, and it actually did really, really well. And he was he was receiving plaudits from across the city or the town. And everybody was talking about the football and people wanted to get involved. So we did that for a season. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, I had to, to leave that because I was then going through my UA for B. Uh, personal circumstance for me had changed. So mm -hmm. there was a lot going on. Uh, so I ended up having a little bit of a break from the game. Um, and then a little bit of reinvigoration. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with the Army Under-23's development squad. Um, so the Army team are the best players in the Army. Some of them will play semi-professional football at a weekend um, away from the service. Some of them will have had professional contracts. Um, and then unfortunately got injured or their playing career come to an end. So they joined the army and to go and work with the development team to get them into the army first team was a great opportunity. And, and, and Griff and Paul Hughes give me that opportunity. And again, I'll be thankful. And, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years time, it's all memories. It's all people that we will remember uh, and we'll thank later on in our lives. But, you know, I still remember one of the first training sessions that we had with the under-23s. There was a 17-year-old kid that turned up. Um, what a player. Uh, and already at 17, 18 years old, he's already represented the Army team. Wow. Um, he scores worldies from 30 yards out. Um, he's got, you know, great shoulders on him. He's got a, a sound head, sound mind. 
and he'll probably go far. And, and it's because of people like that that I enjoyed the under-23s experience. And he'll still be there for a few years working with Griff and Paul. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, we'll see where they develop him um, and how far they can push him to get him into the Army First team. So uh, that was another great opportunity. And then um, I had the opportunity to go and work with Paul Vale's Academy. Um, really, really looking forward to that. Um, but then again, unfortunately, due to military career and um, not unfortunate, I was promoted to Sergeant Major, which meant that I had to, to move on uh, and which now got me to go and do my dream job in the military. Uh, my time at Port Vale was very short lived, but hopefully you never know in 18 months time when I leave the military, I might get an opportunity to go back to Port Vale or to somewhere else within an academy uh, and, and move forward from there. I can imagine that must have been very frustrating as you've gone through a pathway of working at different levels, different abilities, different sort of uh, age groups, and then to, to ultimately get what most people see as the pinnacle of, of football coaching, working in an academy, to be ultimately cut short by you know, uh, your military career. Now, I know you've said you've got your dream job, but is that one of the frustrating sides of, of the military, not being able to sort of plan a, a long-term development as such? outside um, of the military it is frustrating of course it's going to be frustrating but we get frustrations in everyday life there might be personal circumstance there might be promotion within something else there might be an injury mm. um so frustrations are always going to be there it's what we do to deal with them um yes i've worked in the ladies game um in the military which is a group of ladies that wanted to come together to play football because they enjoyed it. Um, and some of them did get to go and play for the Army First team with the ladies. That's great. I then went to work in what would be described as the professional game with, with the Stoke ladies. Um, so again, fantastic opportunity. And then working with the men in Civilian Street, where again, just people that want to play football on a Sunday, get together, have a crack with their mates. But actually, it's very competitive and they really, really enjoy it to then army under 23 development to the academy, as you'd quite rightly say, is the pinnacle. Um, but I am a soldier, firstly and foremost, and my military career is my number one priority. Mm -hmm. So I've worked for 20 years to be a sergeant major, um, to be the senior soldier, to, to, to wear that crown on your wrist um, is something that I've dreamed of for the last 20 years so there was no way that that could be turned down um my military career will come to an end um i will no longer be able to be a soldier but football will always be there in some way shape or form um now whether i get the opportunity again to go and work in an academy um we'll never know whether i go into the pro game whether i get to go and work with adults in the 11 v 11 game whether i go and work with ladies again we'll never know um we can try and plan and forecast but we can only see what will happen in the next 18 months to two years so with, with 18 months to go are you something sort of getting in the mindset of planning for civilian life or, or would you say it's a bit too far away to to have anything solid uh no certainly looking into it um the day job in Purbright is busy, it's testing, it's challenging, uh, working with 30 instructors and at one point we had 220 something recruits in basic training. Um, it keeps you busy, yeah. but there is always on the back of your mind on an evening uh, when you're relaxing, what can you do to develop yourself, what can you do to further yourself uh, and then where are you going to go? Um, when it when the time comes so Purbright will probably be my last posting I'll only have three four five months left uh, when I leave Purbright so I will effectively be a, a tracksuit soldier or certainly well into resettlement um, and networking to see where I can go next but um, I've already looked at what I want to do and where I want to go and personal circumstance is pushing me that way but again 
um, we will all have frustrations. Something might get in the way of that plan. So we can, well, time will only tell. So what's next for your coaching pathway now? Obviously, you're doing a lot of mentoring work and management work, looking after instructors and recruits. When it comes to the coaching, what, what's, what's next for, for Dave Tuck? So I applied for the UEFA A course last year. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, unsuccessful, as I know a lot of people have been. Um, that's not through any fault of our own or any fault of, of the FA or whatever. It's just uh, a very busy business where people have had careers in football just like I have in the military. So, you know, don't hold any grudges. We'll just go again and see if we can get it done again. Um, if not, there's always the opportunity to look at the advanced youth award module as I've completed the uh, the full youth award module previously. Um, you mentioned my coaching and mentoring, leadership and management. So having completed so many courses throughout the army career and at the stage that I am, I've managed to accrue uh, level seven and level six uh, certificates and diplomas in leadership and management and level five in coaching and mentoring which aren't on paper degrees but they are working to the level of degrees so having leadership and management coaching and mentoring sitting alongside my UEFA B license um, can only help um, and give me something to put down on my CV uh, and see where we go from there but what I'm looking at doing is is supplementing my football coaching with a little bit of fitness. So because I've been in the in the military for 20 years, we'll, we are fit, robust individuals, although my knees wouldn't say that lately. Um, so looking at doing a level three in personal training and a level four in strength and conditioning. What, what are the thoughts in, in adding that to the bow? And uh, obviously that's a, a little bit of a different feather in the cap what what would you how would that add value well certainly if you're a personal trainer you might be able to give your players um, personal objectives and give them training programs you might be able to work with the uh, the physio the strength and conditioning coach within your team um, and give them options and, and and get the players where they need to be um, the strength and conditioning means that we can then work as a group to make sure that in pre-season we are conditioned ready to go uh, during the season just making sure that we're keeping on top of our fitness uh, and then again post-season making sure that we're, we're we're doing stretching and we're looking after each other and we're looking after ourselves and I think that it would it would add to the football coaching side of life. So even if I wasn't able to be a assistant coach, a head coach, I might be able to look at being a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, it just it's just things that add to a training session. You might take the warm ups, you might take the cool downs, you might take a session in the middle uh, or game day. You might be able to do the warm ups, the cool downs, and again offer some value from the touchline. So it's, it's, it's something that I think will, will, will add value. Um, I'm sure others might agree. There might be some that would say you may be taking on a little bit too much, but it's what I feel is best and what would give me the best opportunity to work in the game. I, I suppose with that, it, it's going to make you a little bit more employable in terms of, the, you know, if you're looking at clubs with, say, a lesser budget and, you know, doing a multitude of tasks, you're able to do a couple of roles and be be more employable. Yes, certainly. Um, Ultimately, the end of the career in the military will come just as I'm turning 40. Um, Still got 20, 25 years left in me, um, or I'd like to think I have. So you've got to look at future employment. and, And football, as much as everybody wants to get involved, it's not always going to happen. Mm. Uh, and as you quite rightly say, you don't know what level you're going to go into. You don't know what club you're going to find yourself in. It may even be that when my son gets a little bit older, he wants to go and play. Um, 
and then I can coach him. I can then do some fitness with him. I then might get involved in his club and take on a role. Um, it's, it's, it's just something that, just as I did 20 years ago when I joined the army, um, I knew where I wanted to go, where I wanted to be. Um, and it was all about learning. Every day is a school day. You learn on the job um, and you see where you go. You, you've always got dreams and hopes and, and goals. Um, I've reached them in my military career, so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll find one in, in the future. You sound certainly very driven in what you want, Dave. And certainly, I wish you all the best in getting that. You mentioned just going back, your level six and seven diplomas in management and leadership. Is that just a military qualification or, or is it recognisable outside of the military? No, it's outside of the military. They're civilian accredited qualifications. So from the Institution of Leadership and Management and the um, CMI, Chartered Management Institute, they're all civilian qualifications. So again, they'll look great on a CV next to UEFA B license, next to hopefully level three personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, which will ultimately, as you say, make me more employable if there is a job available. Yeah, not, not long to go now then for a full 22 year military service, which I've got to say is some achievement, Dave. Um, where, where would you like to be in, in five years time? If, if you had a crystal ball and you could see yourself, where would you want to be? So, I don't know about five years' time. Certainly, the, the North Star, the, the biggest goal is to be in professional football. What guys that is, I don't really know. Whether it be the men's game, the ladies' game, or whether that's in the United Kingdom or the United States. Um, it was always a career or always a, a family dream to move out to America um, sadly personal circumstances have changed um, but um, my family will be moving out to America so I would like to follow them um, so the idea is hopefully going to work in some kind of education be it college or university but be the assistant coach or the head coach of the football team or the soccer team, as they say it. Um, and go from there. I went on holiday earlier this year, or sorry, last year uh, to, to Florida. Um, and I got in touch with um, a couple of people uh, with Orlando City. Uh, and I had the opportunity to go down and meet the... Um, the ladies academy director uh, watched him put on a couple of sessions, got involved in a couple of sessions, met some of the other coaches, some of them from the UK that had emigrated over to America. So there's certainly opportunity. There's certainly scope. Um, I was impressed with what they had going on. Um, we've kept in touch. He's invited me back out. Um, so there may be an opportunity to go and work in the academy at a professional club in America. Um, so five years time, I'd like to say a coach of an age group within an academy. Um, and then head coach of a college or university football team, soccer team. Sounds like you've got a semi-solid path as to where you want to go. And, and I'm sure those that know you, Dave, will be wishing you all the best in that. Um, I'm, I'm very conscious I've taken up a lot of your time today. Um, and we always want to finish with something on the, the PCT podcast, a little bit of a quick fire question round. So I'm, I'm sure you've come across a wide variation of um, characters, shall we say, through your military career and also, you know, your, your, your football career to date. Who would you say your best friend in football is? Um, you're right. We've moved around. We've seen a lot, played a lot. Um, but certainly, I've been coming away from playing and now 
going into coaching. Uh, I met a guy on my B license course, um, ex-military, got on really well with him. So, um, you know, we keep in touch quite often and um, it's you. Well, I appreciate that, mate. It's, uh, it's very kind. Um, t- toughest opponent uh, that could be that you've seen. Obviously, uh, you've had a lot of experience playing, but as a coach, who, who would you say is the toughest opponent you've come against? I'm going to go with when I played uh, and a guy called Sam Agar. So he was on Leeds and Bradford's books, I think, as a youngster. Joined the army. Uh, he was combined service level, so effectively the best in the UK armed forces. So if you put it into something, it'd probably be Team GB and Olympics. Um, he played centre forward for them. Strong, powerful, played up top. If the ball got to him, it stuck. Um, if he got tight to him, he would turn you. If you give him a bit too much space, he would turn, then take you on. Um, and all you could do was really kick him. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, best trainer? Probably as a coach, Stafford United, uh, a young lad called Dan Davies. Um, 21 years old, youngest player on the team. And we had two teams at the time. Um, Great attitudes, really fit, really wanted to get involved, listened, learnt, asked questions, not just on a training session, but in a game as well. He was very receptive. So, yeah, Dan Davies. Worst dressed teammate? To be honest, can't really answer that one. Only because being in the military, the amount of times that, we would work until half 12, one o'clock, and then kickoff would be at two. People would turn up in uniform. They'd turn up in shorts, T-shirts, and flip-flops. They might turn up in a tracksuit. So, yeah, military footballers. <laughs> Worst taste in music? Probably me. I like chill-out music, so I would go with a little bit of Lionel Richie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to settle the mood and then you go out onto the football pitch and then you're entering the battlefield whereas some people would like to dance around thinking they're in Ibiza and then take the party to the football pitch and yeah so probably me it's quite honest and quite quite humble best player that you've you've played with or coached best player I've ever played with uh, would be a guy called Joey Collins mm-hmm. He played at a very, very high standard before he joined the army. Uh, Matt Letissier has referenced him in a book. Um, when I was a youngster, turning up at Seven Signal Regiment where the best team were, he was without doubt the best player on the, on the park. He would do his job. He knew his job inside out. He would then, I remember playing in a game once where I got drafted up. And he would tell me where I needed to be. Okay. Um, he he broke his leg really, really badly. Got told he'd never play again or never walk properly again. Uh, oh. And he overcome adversity. And he played last year um, and won the, I think it was the Army, best team in the Army, played the best team in the Army Reserve. He was playing in the Army Reserve team. They won the competition. Um, yeah. He could still put a pair of boots on and put quite a few people to shame. And also, he's just about to finish his A licence. So he's taken his, he's gone from being a player at a young age, military career, to now trying to make something for himself in the football world as well. So, yeah, very good. Good stuff. Um, finally, is there anybody you would recommend or you'd like to hear us speak with on the podcast? Um, I've been looking at Facebook and Twitter quite a lot recently, and there's a guy called Matt Ward. Um, he's published a book called Zero to Professional in Four Years. I'm in the middle of reading that. Yeah. It seems that he has overcome a few frustrations, a bit of adversity, um, and like all of us, has had a dream in coaching, and it seems to have paid off from him. So maybe to get his 
outlook on life and how he's managed to get there. And yeah, yeah I think he'd be good for you to have a chat with. I speak with Matt quite often, and I know he, he supports British coaches abroad through the, the British Football um, Coaching Network uh, online. So, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting to, to have Matt on. Um, Dave, look, it's always great chewing the fat with you, mate, especially when it's about football. Um, I just want to say thank you. I know you're busy with your military career and looking after your staff. So thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Um, I wish you all the success, not only in your military career, but moving forward in your football career, mate, and hope you and the kids stay safe. Thank you, pal. Good luck and, uh, and all the best in, in what you're doing with PCT coaching. Uh, it looks great from the outside. And uh, just want to say this is a great idea to get coaches in to have a chat with them. Um, it's an uncertain time. It's great that people get to talk about football because it distracts them from other things. Um, and obviously it allows people to see the views of other people. And, you know, if people take something away from my chat or from some of the other guests that you get on and it helps them in their career, then you've done a great thing. Cheers, pal. Yeah. Let, let's hope we can add some value. And, and again, people from all walks of life and experiences, and we, we can all help each other. Great stuff. Dave, look, it's been a pleasure, mate, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Cheers, pal. Thank you. Take, Take care. Having heard David's story, if a career in the Army is something you wish to pursue, you can find out more by visiting www.army.mod.uk. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the content that we're trying to bring to you. Don't forget... New episodes will be released every Monday. You can find us on the iTunes store, Spotify, and if you want to see the video, you can see it on our YouTube channel, PCT Football Coaching.